Hello and welcome to Spiraling Upwards, where we are in pursuit of real holiness of life as a daily response to grace, in the companionship of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the love of God the Father. I am Father Robert Healy, and I am delighted to welcome you to Episode 4. Today we will be talking about preparing to meet Christ. And uh, I think that this is a very appropriate thing to meditate upon today in our fourth podcast as we are careening toward Christmas. Uh, Perhaps you feel the pressure, as I do, of getting things prepared that aren't yet prepared. And I think sometimes uh, we can get so busy and so caught up in preparation for Christmas, we forget that the most important preparation for Christmas is the preparation of our hearts. That, that is to say, as important as presents and, and tinsel and trees and, and decorations and food and, and family and cleaning the house and getting this ready for people coming out of, in from out of town, all of these things are celebrating the most important thing, which is the coming of Christ. And where is he coming? Where does he desire to come? Into your heart. He desires to find in your heart, whether it is probably as as mine, you know, a stable, something which uh, isn't the best place for him to stay, but is full of love, desires him to be there, right? That he wants to come to our hearts and discover a home, someplace humble and simple, but deeply welcoming. And this preparation is something that uh, we can get distracted on from by the other preparations that we're doing in preparation for Christmas. So this idea of preparing to meet Christ, I want to suggest, is intended to be something to teach us about how to prepare to meet Christ every time we come to prayer. And in some sense, by studying how we prepare to come to meet Christ in prayer, then we will actually have a better idea how to do our preparation of the time we're in right now. And with that, I'd like to share with you a little antiphon. Each day from December 17th to December 23rd, there's a special antiphon called an O Antiphon. And the O Antiphons are the basis, actually, of the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. You know it. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Well, the idea behind that song is that for centuries and centuries going way back, priests and religious throughout the church have prayed on these days from the 17th to the 23rd, a special set of antiphons during Vespers, during the evening prayer of the church. And they're called the O Antiphons because each one of those, O Wisdom, O Adonai, O Root of Jesse, O Key of David, You know, each of these antiphons begins with this acclamation of Christ under a certain title. And the first one is, O wisdom which camest out of the mouth of the Most High, reaching from end to end and ordering all things mightily and sweetly. Come and teach us the way of prudence. What a prayer. What a beautiful prayer. And this is uh, the O antiphon for December 17th. If you look at the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, you'll see that's the second verse, because the song has actually taken the last verse, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and put it first. Uh, O Come, Emmanuel is actually the December 23rd. 
O Emmanuel, our King and Lawgiver, the desire of the nations and the Savior thereof, come to save us, O Lord our God. And this, from, from O Wisdom on the 17th to O Emmanuel on the 23rd, each day has a special antiphon that is leading the way up to Christmas. I love this time. It's probably my favorite time of the whole church year because there's a sense in the liturgy of such preparation and such uh, guidance. And there's a lot more to it I'd like to share with you. But today is the 20th. And so uh, as we've gone through O Wisdom, O Adonai, and leader of the house of Israel, Lord, and, and leader who appeared to Moses at the burning bush, and yesterday, O Root of Jesse, um, how, how Christ is, is the, he is the root of Jesse. He is the source of the people from which all of, of David, David is the son of Jesse. And all of the people uh, who would be drawn together by David are coming from Jesse. So, so all of these different antiphons we're beginning to today, O key of David. And here are the words, O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, that openest and no man shutteth, and shuttest and no man openeth. Come and bring the prisoner forth from the prison house, and him that sitteth in darkness and in the shadow of death. And if you sing it with the, old, with the beautiful Gregorian chant in Latin, here's how it sounds. Oh, David, et sceptrum domus Israel. Qui aperis et nemo claudit, claudis et nemo aperit. Veni et educ vinctum, de domo carceris, sedentem in tenebris, isn't it lovely? I just love the great antiphons. Each of these is uh, is sung in these beautiful tones. And the reason I primarily love it, not only because the antiphons are beautiful and because they're special and they have this sense of a, a building and building and building up to Christmas, but they're actually an acrostic. And so the words in Latin, O sapiencia, O Adonai, O radix yesse, O clavis David, O key of David, O oriens, O dayspring and dawn, right? O rex gentium, O king of the Gentiles, and finally, O Emmanuel. When you look at them from the site of December 17th, going forward, you look forward into them, you can't make sense of them. Sar... Corie doesn't mean anything in Latin or in English or any language I know. But if you look back from the doorstep, as it were, of Christmas, and you look back at the acrostic, you see that it reads cross," which is Latin for, I will be here tomorrow. Isn't that wonderful? I just absolutely love it. And the reason I love it is because one of the things it teaches us is that we can't see everything going forward. And sometimes we need to progress into the life with Christ, progress into getting to know him and hearing the prophetic utterances that are 
that are saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Oh, wisdom, oh, Adonai, oh, root of Jesse. And it's leading up through salvation history. But we can't see what he looks like until we're on the doorstep and we look back and say, oh my, God has been preparing all this all along. And it's actually guiding us to this promise that he is coming on Christmas Day. Now you might say, why is December 23rd the last of these antiphons. Why don't we have one for 20, the 24th? Well, how, how does that work? Well, because the 24th at Vespers begins the celebration of Christmas. In the middle of the night, our Lord is born. And so it is the 23rd that is, O Emmanuel, come and save us, King of Israel. So I'd like to, I just wanted to share that with you just, to, just for kicks and giggles because it's delightful anyway but also because I think it really sets up what I want to say today in our, in our episode. And that is, in our preparation for prayer, we realize it's not just our preparing to meet Christ. God is preparing to meet us. As I'm preparing to meet God, God is also preparing to meet me. When I come to prayer, when I come to encounter Christ, nobody in their right mind who really wants to pray, maybe I should say, wants to come into prayer and sit there and rant at God for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, however long, however long they're praying, and then leave unfulfilled without having had him contribute anything. That isn't what we want to pray. Sometimes I, feel, I think we feel that's what prayer is. That we come into prayer and we realize for the last 30 minutes we've just been talking and talking and talking and God wasn't contributing. And sometimes I think that's because we don't realize he has something he wants to say to us too. And maybe we're so caught up in the busyness and the activity of our life. And we, when we come to pray, all we can do is just rant about this and that and this and that and this and that. Well, what I'd like to encourage you today as we, as we are talking about preparing for prayer is that God is also preparing for it. And so, yes, I need to prepare to encounter Christ when I come to pray, just as I need to prepare to encounter Christ and to welcome into my heart on Christmas Day. But I also need to prepare to receive him, you see, not just to, to have him or decide what we're going to do, but to receive him and let him contribute and him draw things in. And he'll probably spring a surprise on me, kind of like when you get to the end of the O Antiphonsi Discover that he's been running an acrostic on you the whole time. And he's been doing it backwards so you couldn't see how what it looks like until you look back and you see it written. Kind of like the words of the ambulance on the front of the ambulance so that it doesn't make any sense when you're looking at it, but when it drives up behind you in traffic, you make it makes perfect sense. In this same way, when I come to prayer, I realize that there's a lot of preparation that's been going on before I even come to prayer. And that is what we might call the remote or habitual preparation for prayer. That is, I'm preparing for prayer at every moment, even when I'm not aware of it. And I'm also, I could also potentially be not preparing for prayer at every moment. I had an instance when I was in, uh, in school studying to be a priest that I was it was it was one of these evenings where we didn't have any evening obligations. Guys are watching a movie, and it was one of these exciting films about car crash with car crashes and fast, you know, high speed chases. I don't know, it was Jason Bourne or something like that. You know, something where there is a lot of chaos, 
and a lot of crazy stuff going on. And I was caught up in it. Of course, you're watching the film and all of this busyness going on. And I came up out of the out of watching that movie to do my night prayers and go to bed. And I sat in that chapel forever trying to get my head around to praying. Because I was sitting in the chapel with God and all I can think about is crashing cars and smashing glass and guns and and fire and all the excitement, all the craziness of a thriller. And in the midst of this, God's suggestion, I felt like there was a voice saying, Hello? Are you going to think about me? Or are you going to just come to prayer with your head on everything else? I said, Lord, I'm trying. (laughs) But I've been immersed in all this craziness. He says, yeah, I don't think you should do that. And it was kind of an eye-opener for me because I realized that I was coming to prayer like someone coming to get a cappuccino, but not like someone coming to meet a friend or someone I have a very important meeting with. It was very very eye-opening because in this reality of coming to be with Christ, I couldn't be with him because my head was all in all sorts of other directions. I think sometimes we do this just in the manner of our life. If I'm living every moment of my life simply for me, simply following my desires and, and my desires for pleasure and, and agendas and opinions and everything, and then, then I come into prayer, what do I find? The only thing I can think about is myself. Whereas if I live my life, if I spend time actually striving to love God day in, day out. This doesn't mean setting aside the work of my day. In fact, in his book on the three ages of the interior life, Dom Reginald Gergul-Grange uh, suggests that one of the best ways to open up and start moving into having a life in which everything that I do, even if it's manual labor or if it's mental uh, exercise, various different things that I have to do at work or at school or whatever it may be, that the best way to move that into where every moment and everything that I'm doing is in the presence of God and I'm aware of Him and is leading me to prayer is to say, for one hour in the morning or in the afternoon, one hour every day, I'm going to say, okay, so from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock every day, or maybe it's from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the morning, I've got a little alarm on my on my phone that I set, and it goes, and I look at it, or it buzzes at me, and I see, oh, it's a reminder. And for that hour, I strive to do everything that I'm doing, not to interrupt everything that I'm doing, but to do it out of love for God. I think that's a wonderful suggestion. And something I think that we can take to heart during this time preparation for Christmas. If I were to take all the time that I'm Christmas shopping, or all the time that I'm wrapping presents, or all the time that I'm in the car, or all the time that I'm fixing food, or cleaning the house, or if I say there's some activity, or I'm going to spend a particular blanket of time across the day, I'm going to do everything. It doesn't mean that I don't do these other things. It means that I do them with attention to why I'm doing them. And I say, okay, I'm wrapping presents right now, or I'm decorating the Christmas tree right now, or I'm 
taking the trash out right now. I'm going to do this for the Lord, for love of Him. What does that look like? The result of doing this is going to be that when I come to prayer, I've already been experiencing a kind of unity with our Lord in charity. When I come to prayer, I'm not so caught up in myself that I can't think about Him and desire to know what He has to say to me. And this remote, this habitual prayer is then going to feed in to the immediate prayer, which we're going to talk about next week. The immediate prayer of when I'm with the Lord. What do I do? How do I shape myself? How do I prepare myself at the immediate preparation for the encounter that I'm making with Almighty God?